Welcome to Lawyers Living Well, a production of the State Bar of Georgia's Attorney Wellness Committee and the Lawyers Assistance Program. Lawyers, this is your resource for all things wellness. It is our goal to encourage you to live well. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Lawyers Living Well podcast. I'm Lynn Garson, Chair of the Lawyers Assistance Program of the State Bar of Georgia, and today I have the distinct pleasure of speaking with Christy Weathers, Professional Development Partner at Evershed Sutherland. That was, in fact, the first firm I worked at after law school. It was a great firm then, it's a great firm now, but in my day there was nothing like the attention to wellness that you have been instrumental in bringing to that firm. And that's what I want to talk about with you now. My first question, um, and you must be so proud of this achievement for your firm. Evershed Sutherland scored the highest of the 11 Atlanta firms ranked by the associates in the National AMLAW survey that was just published like two weeks ago. And number 12 of all 200 firms surveyed. Your firm was also number one in associate satisfaction locally for the second year in a row. Much of the commentary in the survey from the associates was on mental health. What is Evershed Sutherland doing from a programming and policy standpoint to earn such high marks? Because you're obviously getting a great response from your associates. Well, first, Lynn, I just want to thank you for having me. And I'm so proud to be here representing Evershed Sutherland. I've been with the firm for over 15 years in my current role. And I have been so impressed from the managing partner on down at the kind of attention and detail that we pay towards professional development and really thinking about wellness in the context, one of the points that I wanted to make today is how intertwined our wellness initiatives are with our professional development initiatives. If you if you really think to not having a standalone sort of wellness programming, that if you're thinking about how people work and who they're working with, and that being such a big part of their overall satisfaction with their life, it just sort of goes without saying that if you're professionally satisfied, you're having very positive feelings in general about life. So paying attention to that area while you're talking about wellness and making sure that wellness is a priority, it's all intertwined. So that is one of the main points that I wanna make today, that wellness is not this sort of standalone thing that you can do some programming around it or provide some resources that it really is a holistic way of looking at how people are developing within your law firm, the experience that they are having overall. And I think some of our rankings reflect that overall experience, which includes how you're feeling about how you're taking care of yourself and what a priority it is to you in terms of not only doing your best work, but how you are servicing your clients. A few things that I just wanted to mention from a professional standpoint, one of the things that you and I had talked about, it's probably been a year or two ago, was the ABA's wellness pledge. 
And one of the things that we've sought, we signed on two-ish years ago, and it has really helped. And I want to encourage anyone who's listening to this podcast to be thinking about if their firm is not already a signatory to that pledge, to be thinking about looking into it, figuring out who at your firm would take on the responsibility of managing um, being a part of that pledge. It really does help you house how you're thinking about wellness is a big picture. And that includes the programming. How are you going to keep the word out there? How are you going to periodically remind people about those resources? One of the things that we first did when we signed on to the pledge was to house everything. We have two wellness corners. One is for all employees of the firm. And the wellness pledge does cover all employees, not just lawyers. But we do recognize we have the wellness center for everyone. And then we have a lawyer wellness corner that also houses not only our internal resources around that a lot of firms have around uh, their EAP or their health providers, things like that, but also ABA resources. You know, most firms pay an ABA fee every year and, and probably are not taking advantage of some of the programming around there are the ABA actually provides some uh, CLEs and webinars around health and wellness. And I think that's a way to get that messaging out. A lot of firms are members of PLI and PLI is another sort of umbrella for a lot of programming, including health and wellness stuff. So making sure that people know that those programs are available when they're upcoming, you know, there may be two or three in a month or over a series of months. Having a place to house all of that and then to periodically remind folks can be really helpful. And again, just that umbrella of thinking about it, paying attention to it. What are we providing? How are we thinking about this in terms of the wellness part? And really having people start thinking of it as part of their professional development. It's almost like a competency that in order to develop professionally, you do have to be thinking about how are you taking care of yourself and how are you taking care of those who are working with you and for you. So just some, some you know, introductory thoughts on that. And I don't know if you had any follow-up questions on that. I'm happy to kind of expound upon that. Well, I do, um, because that's a pretty unique model from what I've seen around that holistic approach to it because I, you know, tons of firms have wellness programs. Many firms have, um, I'm glad to say, signed the ABA Wellbeing Pledge, including my firm, Baker Hostetler. And we, I know exactly what you're saying about the programming and how that gives you a framework to, in which to house everything. But it's a bit different the way I'm hearing you talk about it because most of what I hear is it's a silo. Mm -hmm. You know, it's sort of like folks talk about wellness as a silo, and you're not at all. Um, you know, and I think that must be why a big reason why you got such high marks in this survey, because you're integrating it so well. I mean, the survey pointed to the focus on billable hours and lack of boundaries is what associates talked about as their biggest issue with big law firms. And by lack of boundaries, I mean the on-call 24-7, you know, you're, you're always supposed to respond. 
And the expectation is that you will, and your response will be immediate and comprehensive and that you'll leave whatever function you're at. You'll pull out your laptop, you'll work for the next three hours um, and you'll be fine about it. Uh, and I get the tension there. It's not like it's a no brainer because we're in a very competitive profession. Nobody wants to say no when a client calls. It's a client driven profession. Um, and whether it's 10 p.m. at night or 12 noon on Christmas Eve day, which I have personally experienced and I'm sure you have too, nobody wants to say no, but you're doing something right. And I'm very curious what you're doing to address the concern over billables and boundaries in a way that's so clearly working for your, for your associates. And I suspect it's the fact that your wellness is not a silo. That's part of it anyway. Well, one thing, I mean, you're pointing on something that is that law firms, especially now, you know, we're six months into remote working with, you know, many more months ahead of uh, continued remote working and then probably some sort of hybrid after that, depending on how this affects the marketplace. But you're touching upon something that has really started surfacing now. You know, the first three or four months was, well, what are we all doing and how are we going to manage all of this? And now it's starting to settle out to really think about how does being at home impact how you're going to develop and maintain relationships? And I think we all know law is a a huge part of practicing law is relationships. And how are we going to get feedback? And how are we going to make sure we're getting the work we need to develop if we're a younger lawyer or a new lawyer to the firm? So one of the things that we have been talking with our associates about, and we actually have a partner panel that we're doing on October 7th, that is also something that if, if a firm, if somebody from a firm is listening today um, and has not done something like this, I would highly recommend it. To talk about one of the things that our associates have said, and I'm sure associates at other big firms have been saying, is that working from home does provide a lot of flexibility, but it does result in the boundaries you know, being blurred, if not completely kicked to the curb. If you're going to get some other things done, no matter whether that's around childcare or other things that you need to take care of in your day that are non-work related, and then you pick up with something, you know, after what you think might be work hours, or you have calls that are after work hours, and then all of a sudden your work day becomes no hours intertwined. It just becomes whatever it is, maybe very early in the morning to very late at night because you've got so many things going on in between. One of the things that we've been talking about with our wellness programs and that we're also going to address with this partner panel, how are we going to communicate with each other about those boundaries? And we've had a lot of talks around how do you, especially when you're younger or newer, communicate with somebody you're working with about here are my sort of parameters around this. I don't want to say no. I want to make sure I'm responsive. But here, here's a cutoff or two in terms of boundaries and to really communicate well about it. And part of the reason we're doing the partner panel and our managing partner is involved in that is to talk about it very broadly so that We also all know that within a big law firm, you've got a lot of individual businesses going on. So we may say this from a very broad standpoint, but then somebody working in a particular group with a particular partner says, I've tried to have that conversation and it doesn't seem to go over well or it doesn't seem to establish the boundaries. But in general, if we're trying to culturally 
talk through how you're going to set the boundaries, how to communicate. And then that becomes more of the norm than not having the boundary. That's part of the holistic approach. It doesn't mean it's going to work all the time. And you and I both know this is a very demanding profession. It's a service industry. It's never going to be perfect along those fronts. But the more communication, the better around boundaries and how we're going to navigate those boundaries and and more communication around how you're checking in with people how you as a new person to a firm are starting to establish relationships when you're entirely promote how somebody who's already been there is checking in with newer lawyers or younger lawyers how we're navigating all of that now that we're at this six month and now it's going to be longer. The six-month period, I think, is very critical. There are actually some articles. There was a recent Forbes article. We've had, I've seen several psychologists talk about the six-month wall, which is that period of any kind of change, much less what we've been going through since March. Six months is you've spent all this time adapting to the quote-unquote new normal, now you've gotten your head around it and all of a sudden you feel like you've hit a wall and you're not sure what that wall is. Things were kind of clicking along. You had gotten into a routine around, okay, this is the new normal. And the psychologists are saying that is the six month wall that has to take and it's another month before you can kind of get over that. And you kind of have to be kind to yourself during that time period to get through that wall while you're adapting to the new thought of, okay, this is not just six months. It's going to be a longer period. And now I have to readapt my thinking again to figure out how that looks over the next three months, six months, because there's uncertainty about how much time there is. And if we're talking about that within a firm, within your culture, and making sure everybody is on the same page about that, I think there's a little more of a dynamic of it's okay. It's okay if somebody has to take a moment to kind of not turn their camera on for that meeting or step away and take a walk or whatever it is that you need to do to have those strategies in place. I think culturally we can help with that by having partner panels that talk about this as part of our professional development to kind of acknowledge this six month period. We also have a speaker coming in at the end of the month, Stacy Dugan, who you oh. know. We're gonna cleverly call it Winter is Coming, Practical Strategies for Lawyer Wellness. And she's going to address some of the practical issues around, okay, we we just went through the summer and everybody's outside and you know we've gotten through this first period. Now you've got colder days, shorter days coming up, and how are we going to readjust to all this, knowing that we're not going back to the office? So a plug also for Stacy, who you and I both know personally and professionally, and um, for those who are listening in the audience, she is a former big law partner, Stacy Dugan, former big law partner, and she's now a licensed mental health professional, and she does CLEs for. Uh, law firm. So she brings a lot of credibility to it and a lot of just practical thoughts and strategies help you understand the science behind some of the anxiety that we're feeling and how to address it. I spoke to Stacy as recently as yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, and one thing we talked about is 
you have to talk to lawyers. You have to know how to talk to lawyers. Yeah. And because she's been in gig law, I think she was at Greenberg Traurig for years. Um, she knows how to talk to lawyers. Uh, what strikes me a lot about what you just said is more than anything, there seems to be an acknowledgement, a very open acknowledgement of things are not great right now. Let's talk about it. What can we do about it? You know, the partner panels, the, the other things, the Stacy coming in and speaking, mm -hmm. because I hear that a lot from people that even an acknowledgement goes a long way instead of just, you know, head in the sand. Oh, well, this is all fine. You know, you also made me laugh a little bit because right before we started, as you know, I told you that, gosh, something, I just don't feel right. You know, just having a really hard time hit the wall. <laughs> yeah. I need to go Google some of those articles. So that's, that's your firm. But now I want to get a little bit more personal because you've, you've just referenced all of it. We're living through a time that no one could have imagined um, between COVID the national outrage and unrest over racial injustice, lately concerns over the possibility of a contested presidential election. I mean, these are things that, you know, it's just piling on. I, I'm not much of a, don't watch football all the time, but I was raised around it. And I remember the idea of piling on. And for some people, you know, you mentioned the six month wall, but even beyond that, the stress of all of that has just about become unmanageable. It reminds me when I was in the hospital in 2008 and one of my diagnoses, and there were many, was catastrophic anxiety. Mm -hmm. And what that meant was every time I got an email, it felt like I was in an airplane that was dropping out of the sky. And I got a lot of emails. <laughs> so I had a lot of catastrophic anxiety. Um, and I think a lot of people are struggling with, with very serious anxiety. And as the partner at a, quote, big law, law firm, what do you do to take care of yourself and maintain stability in your life and in your work in that kind of environment during these times? I'll, I'll take a minute to talk about myself in just a second. Something that you said reminded me around some of the, the terms that we use. There was one of my favorite stories as one of our retired partners, we had a a meditation course. And it happened to be that a partner who had left the firm and who had started doing CLEs around meditation and breathing, we had him come back in. Again, just the credibility of him having been a partner and now he was spending his time in, in this particular area. And another retired partner went to that program and was sitting next to me and he said, oh, I think I misread the invitation. I thought it said uh, mediation. <laughs> and so now I can't get up. So I'll just, you know, I'll stay here. He was clearly annoyed, but he stayed. And then afterwards he said, you know, I'm so glad I stayed. I, when I think of meditation, I think of robes up on a hill and it just is something that's way out there and I didn't realize it was just breathing and it sort of broke my heart a little bit to think what a great technique that some you know and maybe it's a generational thing I think there's a lot more acceptability around it now there's a lot more education around it now just the the science behind how that kind of controlled breathing can bring your heart rate down things like that but one of the things that I was going to tell you about 
that I do in the morning is I write down three things that I'm grateful for. And when I first mentioned it, I think I said something like, I keep a gratitude journal. And when you say gratitude journal, some people think, wait, what? That sounds you know, so out there sort of thing. Well, really all I'm talking about is three things that I'm grateful for. I might write down that I'm grateful that my dogs are healthy or I'm grateful that the little boy across the street was laughing at my jokes yesterday or whatever it happens to be. And it takes about 30 seconds and it reframes the mind. I think, you know, our minds are sort of from an evolutionary standpoint trained to go to the negative. So one thing that I do immediately when I wake up is I write down three things that I'm grateful for. I've stopped calling it a gratitude journal because people were giving me a hard time about it. But it is something that I've had some friends say, you know, I started doing that and it did make a difference. So thank you for that suggestion. But that is one thing I do. And then I have the Headspace app on my phone and I do 10 minutes of meditation every morning. And what it has helped with me to do and I because I know a lot of us wake up in the middle of the night and we can't go back to sleep. We're starting to think about 50 things that we need to do the next day and it's starting to stress us out. I would try the, the counting, sort of the counting sheep scenario. I would try counting and I would get to four or five and then I'd start thinking about whatever the thing that I had to do the next morning. And now because of using Headspace and actually practicing and it took, you know, six, seven months to get to a point where when I wake up in the middle of the night, I can actually count before I start thinking about the things that I have to do. I start counting. I count up to 100 and I count back and I fall back to sleep. And that's another thing that I've shared with people that seems to resonate and seems to work. But if you're not used to the breathing in and out and maybe counting as you're breathing in and out and knowing how it affects your heart rate, it might not be as effective. So that's one of the reasons I, I try to tell people about Headspace or any other app that can help you with that breathing. And many of them are free. One of those things that I think generationally, people coming out of law school now are getting courses on the breathing technique. So I think that's going to be something that will be more utilized over time. But that's something that I do. I exercise every day because that's my sanity. And one thing that I also try to do every day is just ask myself the question of who can I help today? And I will maybe go through some of my recent emails or I'll go through some of my texts and I'll try to think what's going on in other people's lives. And then I will reach out and try to think of a way that I can help that person. And that's, you know, I hate to think it's a little bit selfish because I'm sort of helping myself by doing it, but I hope the end results and it is helping somebody else. Maybe it doesn't matter if my motives are kind of selfish around why I'm doing it, but I absolutely do that every day. And I think it helps keep me a little bit grounded and maybe not as focused, this is one of those simplistic things, maybe not as focused on how overwhelmed I might be about something that's going on, that, that really has helped. So those are some of the, the bigger things that I do every single day. And I try to just encourage others to do whatever works for that individual. It is very individualistic what works for you. It might be knitting, it might be your cat. I had a, one of my partners the other day said having her cat in her lap every day has kind of kept her 
scene that she keeps, you know, the camera up a little bit and the cat is sitting there. It's sort of like, it's very calming for her. Um, so whatever works for you, I think is absolutely the best approach for everyone individually. I like that you said that I was thinking when you were talking about meditation, I'm one of those people who's very resistant to it for whatever reason. I belong to a women's meditation group. And now that we're on Zoom, and I really hope that they're not listening, don't, you know, just don't, <laughs> don't anybody tell them about this podcast. Because when we do the meditation part, everybody um, cuts off, you know, goes on mute and turns off the video. And while they're meditating, I'm like, you know, I hate to say it, but maybe thinking about something else or, you know, because I'm not sitting there, so I can't be held accountable. Um, so, you know, but I, I get that meditation can be really hard for people. And I think what you said about there are different things that work for everybody. For me, being in the water is my meditation. Like swimming is meditation. That's where I meditate. And once I opened up my mind to that and didn't make it so rigid that I've got to be sitting with my hands, you know, facing the sky and palms up, you know, and, and all of that, it worked a lot better for me. And I also want to second what you said about breathing. I know that for years and years and years, I didn't breathe deeply. And that is a way to cut oneself off from one's emotions. Mm -hmm. Deep breathing takes you down and it can calm you. I've just done it myself a lot of times. So thank you for bringing that up as well. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the state bar tries to offer a lot of resources for well-being uh, currently it's the wellness website, which is really robust at this point. There are a lot of the links you talked about to ABA wellness, mm -hmm. a lot of different things on there that are wonderful. Uh, the Lawyer's Assistance Program, of which I'm the chair, that offers principally six prepaid sessions with a licensed clinical counselor. And that's been, I think, very helpful for a lot of people. And then the peer program, which connects someone who's struggling to a peer of their choice. Mm -hmm. Those are the three basic things that the bar offers right now. What do you think of those? Do you think that something needs to be improved or added to that? What's your opinion on that? Well, one thing that I have seen, I, I absolutely think it's imperative to have all of those resources in one place, just in the same way that we do that within the firm to put the ABA and the state bar. We have all of the cities where we're practicing, we have all of the state bar information on our site also that's easily accessible. I think it's critical to have you and others talking about wellness and talking about the resources, bringing it up periodically so that people know where the resources are. What I have seen people do is not that they're not going to get help, they're going to a private insurer to get help. So we don't have many people calling in on our EAP line. I don't know how utilized the state bar resources are. I think last year, or maybe 2019, when we were doing our wellness CLE, the, the then state bar president, Ken Hodges, had said there were some statistics around it not being as utilized as they would like for it to be. But one of the things that we talked about as a group, and there were some in the audience who had utilized it and it had saved their lives. So it's certainly a resource that you want to keep. But I think acknowledging that 
there are a lot of folks who are going to use their private insurers, but they may not do that unless folks like you are talking about here are all the resources. There's so many things that you can do to get help to trigger somebody to say, okay, I might not use those resources, but I'm going to go to my private insurer when they might not go to their private insurer unless you and others are getting the word out that it's okay to do that and you need to do that and you're ethically obligated to do that. I mean, your wellness is not only a sort of sacrosanct thing for, for you, but it's also your ethical obligation to be well so that you're giving your best to your clients. So I applaud all the bars for bringing all those resources together and making sure they're communicated, even if they aren't as utilized as the need is probably because the need may be going to private insurers, private insurance. Well, I agree with you. The, the critical piece is for people to go get care right. if they need it, wherever they get it. Right. You know, that, that part doesn't matter, but just that they go to get care because traditionally, as we both know, lawyers can be pretty resistant right. to that, unfortunately. And the more talk about it, I think it does make it. I hope generationally that now that it's come to the forefront, there, there are more courses around stress management in law schools. There's more attention being paid in law firms that we're, we're seeing this sort of circle. We're getting closer to the other side of how those resources are going to be utilized, but making sure that people know it's okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Jen, you mentioned generationally and you've mentioned it a couple of times. I'm just curious. I've noticed very much so that things are quite different for the younger generation than they are for the older generation. It's much easier for them to talk about mental health and substance use and wellness. The idea of not going to get care when they need it is actually foreign to them. And mostly they come out of environments in law school where there's tremendous attention and support for wellness. Are you seeing the same thing in your practice? I think that it is much more likely that they're more educated around it and probably a little more empathetic if others are having issues. I'm not sure we've crossed the barrier of when it's you and you're working hard and you're you know, you've got a lot of stuff going on and you start feeling like something's not quite right or you're not in control. I still think it's when it's you, I still think it's hard to reach out. Even when you encourage your peers to reach out and, and it's okay to reach out, I, I still see some resistance, even younger generation wise, of within a big law firm context of sort of the show no weakness mentality that has, you know, been decades and decades and decades that I'm not sure we've quite crossed that. But I do think we're starting to make progress in that. And, and this, the silver lining of COVID might be that it's pushed this even more to the forefront of how do you take care of yourself? How are the, what are the strategies in place to manage when you feel overwhelmed? And how do you get help when you do feel overwhelmed? Even if you don't tell somebody within your firm that you know it's starting to happen and you go talk to somebody. Good point. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think we've gotten quite there yet. I pretty much suspect that if 40 years quietly went by, we would be there without even doing anything. It's just getting people from here to there, you know, for the change to get made. Well, do you have any final thoughts for us before we wrap up? Well, again, I would just reiterate, if there are folks who are listening, your firm is not part of that ABA pledge, it's an easy thing to sign on to. It's an easy way to structurally provide some support around this and maybe within your own law firm, it doesn't matter your size or maybe not a law firm, maybe an in-house department, whoever you know happens to be listening. Something to really think about and go through the checklist of the things that they want to see more of in organizations housing lawyers in recognition of some of the the different stressors in those in that population i would just really encourage people to try to do that because i think it just makes the profession better as we all kind of come under that umbrella and the one thing i would also say is as we're facing this six-month wall to be kind to ourselves and to give ourselves a break as we're readapting to thinking about a longer period than maybe we thought was going to be the case. And then carrying that refocus and recognition of how important the wellness piece is, not only for yourself, but to all of those you are working with to be checking in on each other. I would really encourage people to be checking in on each other more so than they would uh, under normal circumstances to be doing that now. Thank you. That makes a lot of sense. And it, in fact, harks back again to the beginning of our conversation and even conversations I've had recently where it's very important to be good to yourself right now. And lawyers don't tend to do that. We tend to be very self-critical. Right. And this is really not the time for that. And thank you for pointing that out. And thank you so much for your time today. Again, I mean, the achievement that your firm has made with the AMLAW survey is outstanding. And I congratulate you and the firm for that. I hope you'll continue to be safe and well. I hope the same for all of our listeners. And please join us again for another episode of the Lawyers Living Well podcast. Thank you again. Hi, I'm Lynn Garson, Chair of the Lawyer Assistance Program. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lawyers Living Well. If you need immediate confidential help, call the LAP hotline at 1-800-327-9631. That's 1-800-327-9631. You can also visit lawyerslivingwell.org for more wellness resources through the State Bar of Georgia. That's lawyerslivingwell.org. We hope you can join us next time.